Matthew chapter 13. We have been in a study going through the book of Matthew, and here we are this morning. We are entering into a, a new uh, phase, if you would, and that is uh, a turn that Jesus makes, and he begins to now use parables in his teaching. And so let me go ahead and just read verses 1 through 23, and then we are going to dive in together and uh, ask the Spirit to speak to us. Verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and while tribulations and persecutions arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. And for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case, a hundredfold, and in another, sixty, and in another, thirty. Let's pray and let's go ask God to help us understand the, these words and speak to us this morning. Father, would you be so kind to move in our hearts this morning to teach us the meaning of this passage, the meaning of this parable? Lord, we are dealing with some difficult ideas here. 
some truths that are, that are hard to swallow in some ways. But God, we pray that you would open us up to see the glories of Jesus Christ. Let us experience him this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's word can change you. God's word can change you. Why is it that every week we sing six, seven songs that are saturated with God's word? Why is it that we pray prayers straight out of the Bible sometimes? Biblically saturated prayers. Why is it that every week you sit for 40, 45 minutes and listen to God's word being explained? Why do we do these things? Why is it that in our community groups, we simply take the same passage and we just talk about it again and apply it to our lives? Why is it that at every prayer service we do as a church, we take a moment and expound and explain God's Word? Why is it that many of you, I know, spend 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 minutes every single morning reading God's Word? Why? It's because we believe that God's Word can change you. God's Word changes people. Now, I can hear somebody right now saying, well, no, God changes people, not the Bible. Well, let's just stop for a moment. Go back with me all the way to creation. In creation, God did what? He spoke, and what happened? Change took place. God spoke, and the world came into existence. God spoke, and a man named Abraham was converted. God spoke, and the people of Israel left Egypt. God spoke through the prophet, and a valley of dry bones were brought together Bone upon bone, sinew upon sinew, flesh, muscle, breath breathed into them, the breath of God, and they stood to life. Why? It was a result of what? God's Word. God speaking. And in that case, the prophet speaking God's Word over the people. And then Jesus comes onto the scene, and John chapter 1 says that the Word became flesh. The Logos of God, the speaking voice of God became flesh, the second person of the Trinity in the flesh. And Jesus spoke. That's a lot, a lot of what he did was he spoke, which is why listening is important. He spoke a message, turn, repent, he said. Turn from your sin and believe. Believe what? Believe that the kingdom is here. Turn from your own kingdom and receive this one Lord, Jesus Christ, as your Lord. Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and he's going to continue to teach all things. The Holy Spirit comes and he spoke through the apostles and they wrote the New Testament. The very word of God written through and by human beings. It's, it's beyond imagination if it was just simply a story that someone made up. 
God has spoken. What we have in the scriptures, every time we open up the scriptures, this isn't just like a religious textbook. It's not just a bunch of rules. It's not just simply traditions. Uh, But rather, this is, we believe, God's word. And we believe that in the same way that that the prophet spoke over the valley of dry bones, that, that God could speak to us today, the dry bones in our own soul, and raise us up to life through his word. Now, what's interesting in the context here is when Jesus begins to teach in this moment, he's actually teaching on the side of the lake, the the, uh, uh, Galilee. And there was sort of this natural amphitheater that was and still is there uh, where many people could come for about 400 yards and, and kind of get into this amphitheater and Jesus would be able to speak to them, to this huge crowd. And so really what we're hap- what's happening here, in some ways, is a sermon with a very large crowd. And Jesus knows that there are all kinds of people in the crowd, and there are all kinds of people who are following after him. And Jesus, as he speaks, he tells this story. A seed and a sower. Why does he tell this story? Well, he's about to answer another question. If it's true that God's Word has the power to change people, the question we have to ask is this. Why is it that so many people remain unchanged? If God's Word, like prophetic, like boom, power to bring uh, life into dry bones... Jesus speaking over Lazarus, the power to raise new life. If his word has that kind of power to change, why is it that so many people hear God's word, they are confronted with God's word, they're even part of the church for a season, and they remain unchanged? And they leave, they drift, they reject. So Jesus then tells this story of a seed of seed and a sower. Not a sower, but a sower, a farmer. Someone who's, who's spreading seed into the dirt. And in this parable, as we read, he talks about how the sower goes along and he uses what uh, the ancient world uh, would call broadcast sowing, or what, 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 what is today broadcast sowing, which is just simply this idea of a, carrying a lot of seed in your hands and then just scattering it all over the place. And so it would then land uh, in the pathway and it would land in the rocky soil and it would land in the thorns and then some of it would land in the good soil. And then they would just kind of sit back and they would wait and, and watch for the fruit to grow. So he tells this story and he says that the seed is just kind of sown all over the place and it lands in all these different types of of soil. Now what Jesus is doing here is called a what? What's this called? A parable. What is a parable? Anybody? A story with a meaning. Thank you. That is a great definition, actually. What's that? A heavenly meaning. Who said that? Oh, hey. How you doing, D? A heavenly meaning. I thought it was just the voice of God like coming down from the back right there. Yeah, yeah so this is good. So a, it's, an, it's an analogy, it's a narrative, it's a story. 
that involves earthly things, uh, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's an analogy. It's, it's not actually about something that necessarily took place, but it refers, all the parts of the story refer to spiritual things. And so then we are right to read into this. Does that make sense? We're right to say the seed refers to this and the soil refers to this, and that's what we're about to do. Jesus himself does this for us. So he tells this parable, and we see it in verses 1 through 9, and then uh, he takes a little detour, which we'll talk about, and, and then again in verses 18 through 23, he goes back to the parable, and he conveniently explains the analogy for us. Now, why does he do this? And why is he speaking in parables? One preacher I heard said that Jesus spoke in parables to make things easy to understand for the masses. And so he said that preachers must learn from Jesus and use stories to make things easy to understand for the masses. It wasn't until uh, just not too long ago that I was studying this very passage and I thought, that's actually the opposite of what Jesus was doing. He wasn't actually using parables to make it easy for the masses. But Jesus now is using parables to make it difficult for the masses. Let's think about where Matthew's gone so far. The first 10 chapters of Matthew, the first 11, 12 chapters, I should say, of Matthew, have been showing us the rejection of Jesus. It's just been highlighting all of these people who have come face to face with Jesus Christ and they've rejected him. And now Matthew shows us how Jesus has turned in his own teaching style, and he begins using what we might call insider language. He begins speaking in certain ways, which will actually make it easier for the believers to understand, and the believers will be able to, 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 to dig and to find beautiful meaning for years and years and years uh, with this parable. Yet at the same time, he is using parables to intentionally obscure and hide the meaning from those who have rejected him. And he actually says this right here in between telling the parable and then explaining the parable in verses 10 through 16. Let's look at it. In verse 10, the disciples ask the very question. They say, Jesus, what's going on? You're acting strange. You just, like, you've been pretty straightforward, kingdom, uh, Sermon on the, on the Mount sort of stuff, and now all of a sudden you're using these analogies, you're starting to sound like other rabbis, which, by the way, rabbis used parables, many of them. He says, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answers in verse 11. He says, listen, to you, you have been given these secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Like, don't you remember back in Matthew chapter 9 and 10, Jesus says that God has revealed these things to some, to the little children, to the ones who are weak, the ones who know that they need a Savior. God has revealed this, the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior. These secrets have been revealed to you. But he says to them, this has not been given. Don't throw pearls among the swine. These truths are just too much for them to understand. They, they can't bear it. They can't understand what we're talking about. For verse 12, the one who's been given will have more. The one who doesn't have, they're going to lose it. And then he says this is actually a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. 
from Isaiah. There will be these people who hear but never understand. They see but they never perceive. Verse 15, look at this. For the people's heart has grown dull, and their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes have been closed. These people who have rejected Jesus, what they have done is they have basically put blindfolds on the blind. They have covered the ears of the deaf. They're double blind and they are double deaf. And then he says this, lest they should see or hear. That word lest right there is a word that that means like otherwise. Otherwise they would see it. Otherwise they would hear it. So, So that they don't see. So that they don't hear. Lest they see and lest they hear and lest they understand and turn and I would heal them. He's speaking in parables. Now, this is a very difficult truth that I just want to sit with for just a moment. Yes, God has desire that all would be saved. Yet, God has not designed for all to be saved. It is the sovereign desire, design of God to veil the truth of the gospel from some and allow them to continue to walk in a path that they are on which will prevent them from ever returning back to Christ. And so for this reason, he is changing his language now. And he's beginning to speak in parables, obscuring the truth from those who have rejected him, and then deepening the truth for those who have accepted him. Now let's get into the parable a little bit here. We have these various elements. We have seed. Everybody say seed. Seed is a reference to what? Thoughts? The gospel or God's word. We could broaden it. Seed is a reference to God's word. The soil is a reference to uh, to what? To us, exactly. The seed refers to me, to you, to people. So verses 1 through 9, he tells the parable And then for your convenience, he explains it in verses 18 through 23. So you don't need to scratch your head and say, what does this mean? Jesus actually tells us what it means. So it's quite easy this morning. So in this parable, he says that the farmer uh, scatters seed, and some seed, he says, falls onto the pathway. This pathway, he says, references those who have a hard heart. And birds come and snatch, it, snatch the seed away. This is the devil just simply taking away the, the, God, uh, the, the seed of God's Word that has been planted uh, but never penetrated on a hard heart. He said some f- uh, seed falls into the rocky soil. Now, in rocky soil, uh, it's impossible for the, for the plants to develop deep roots. And so as the sun comes, and comes out, the sun scorches the plants and they die. Other seed falls into the thorny soil. The, the, the plants actually come up out of the ground, but the thorns strangle the young plant, and it dies. And then he said some seed falls into good soil, which would be like deep, clean, rich soil. And th- in this soil, the seed actually takes root, and it develops, and, and, it, and it grows and it produces fruit. He says a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, which is a good harvest. We're talking about a hundred, hundred, uh, 
uh, grains for every seed that is planted in the ground. Like a beautiful, wonderful harvest is brought about. Uh, brought about. Fruit, my friends, would refer to what? What's that? Can't hear you? Bushels? Well, what would be the analogy? Change. Change, right. Bushels of change. That's what you were getting at. So we change. So the seed, God's Word, that goes into good soil actually changes something. And the fruit comes up, and it, it's beautiful, and so it's this amazing harvest, and we change. Because we have received God's Word. Now, friends, listen. Change is going to come to your life as you listen to, and as you receive, and as you understand God's Word. We must this morning understand rightly God's Word so that we might change. However, there are many who don't. So that we can be sure that we change, what I want to do is I want to just take a moment and examine these three types of soil that do not receive the Word, that reject the Word, so that we might understand why some don't change, so that we can be sure that we do. All right, let's break it down. So first, he says that, that there are those who are hardened. Everybody say hardened. Hardened by the devil's deceitfulness. In verse 19, Jesus explains this. Some seed falls onto the pathway. There's a pathway. We can use this right here. Some seed just falls into the pathway. Doesn't make it into the soil. And it just sits there and as the birds come and devour it. I'm going to tell you a true story, but I'm changing the name of the individual. There's a man named John that I shared the gospel with for quite a while. I've explained the gospel in every way that you can explain it, frontwards and backwards. I've articulated it in a hundred different ways. I've given John all of the various uh, logical proofs and historical uh, credibility arguments that I, can, that I can think of, yet he's just completely disinterested. Doesn't even care to discuss it. I have one friend who decided to argue with John, and they sat down in my living room, and they had a nice argument. And my friend tried to beat the gospel into John's head. And I just sat there with my, hand, my face in my hands. It didn't help. Let me just put it that way. What's going on with John? What's going on is that he has a hard heart. He's unresponsive. It's seed that is thrown into the pathway, and there's just no soil that's taking root, uh, allowing the seed to take root. Can I talk to you guys about my grass a little bit? I've planted grass in my little tiny McCullough Street backyard, and I'm very proud of it. When I planted grass, I uh, used a broadcast spreader, put the seed into the spreader, and I pushed the thing, and it just shoots seed all over the place, and some seed fell onto my pathway, our little concrete sidewalk going right through the middle of our backyard. In the days to follow, 
literally birds would come down and take, eat the seed right off of the pathway. Look what Jesus says here in verse 19. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown. This is what is sown along the path. The seed sown on the pathway is seed that's sown onto hard soil. And, and the devil is the chief uh, thief of sermons and just comes and just snatches that truth away. Just takes that seed away from that individual because there is no understanding of what's going on. Rejection. Now, when we say, uh, when Jesus says that you must understand, what is he saying in particular? Understand what? What do you guys think? Understand what? What is it that we must understand? Anybody? I know you're afraid to give a wrong answer, but it's okay. I'll just make fun of you. Come on. I'm just kidding. What? The gospel. Thank you. The gospel. We understand the gospel. We understand the truth that Jesus is king, that he is Lord. Now, part of the offensive nature of the gospel is if we understand the gospel, that means we must do what? We've got to change. We've got to make a choice. We've got to turn. We can't continue to love our sin. We've got to hate our sin. We turn from it and we embrace Jesus as Lord. And so for these folks who have hard hearts and the seed is thrown, they just don't want to accept Jesus as Lord. Because to accept Him as Lord means that you have to submit every aspect of your intellect to what the Scripture says. Every aspect of your being to what the Scripture says. Every aspect of your sexuality to what the Scripture says. We have to submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. Submit to Him in our marriage. Submit to what He says about singleness. To submit to what He says about work. And by the way, lazy people hate what Jesus says about work. We are to work hard. And by the way, workaholics hate what Jesus says about rest. We are to not find our identity in our work. We are to submit to everything that this Lord says. Racists don't like what Jesus says. All people created in the image of God. Refusal to submit to Him as, as Lord. There are some people who uh, hear the Word and their heart is just simply hardened. And friends, why, partly why I'm teaching this this morning is I want you to know that there is just simply going to be heartbreak in Christian ministry. There are going to be people, friends of yours, maybe brothers and sisters, close friends, loved ones, people that will come in this church, neighbors, who you will share God's Word with as clearly as possible. You share the Gospel, share the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ as Lord, and they will be hard. And let me ask you something. In that day, don't beat them over the head with the Bible. That won't help. They're hard. Let the seed sit there. Let the birds go ahead and take it. What do we do? We commit them to prayer. The only way a hard heart can be made soft is if God softens the heart. Oh, friends, I ask you, please write down a list of names of people that you know who have a hard heart and commit to praying for them every single day. Come to our monthly prayer gatherings as we pray for individuals by name who have hard hearts that we're sharing the gospel with. Pray for people because God does soften hard 
hearts. Secondly, secondly, we see the, the people who are scorched, is what I'm going to say. Scorched by trials and tribulations. Another true story. I'm going to change the name. There's a woman named T. And T has an illness. And T believes that if, if she submits herself to Jesus Christ, that she will be healed of her illness. She's done so, and a couple years have gone by, and T is still sick. Not to mention, she has also lost some friends because of her new faith. Apparently, some Christian convictions have made her unpopular in some of her crowds. And as soon as some persecution comes to her, as soon as some trials and tribulations and sickness continue, she says, you know what? I'm done. Didn't realize it at first, but soon it became, became clear T had drifted away from the faith and rejected the faith. This is the person who has seed thrown into the rocky soil, no roots are developed, and as the sun comes out, they can't bear the heat of the sun, and they're scorched, and they die. Can I talk about my grass again? So, um, one thing I learned in growing grass is that you don't want to water your grass too often, otherwise they, like daily. Otherwise, they will have short, uh, shallow roots. And what happens with shallow roots is when the sun comes out, they've got no water, they've got nowhere to go, for nutrients, and they are, the grass is scorched. It dies. It's brown. So actually, you want to water your grass maybe once every two or three days, and that allows the roots to go deep into the soil. And then the sun can come out, and, and it won't harm the grass because they have hope in the soil. Last couple of weeks, we've had some 100-degree days. You can take a look at my grass. It's green. Has it been scorched? All right, enough of that, though. All right, back to this. Uh, there, there, have, there has to be roots. Otherwise, the trials and tribulations, a.k.a. the sun, will scorch these young plants, and they will die. You see, the, the atheist will tell you that uh, because there is suffering in the world, that means God must not exist. The prosperity theologian will tell you, because I'm a Christian, I will never have to suffer. But Jesus will tell you, in this world, you will have tribulations. But I have overcome the world. You see, those who have true, genuine faith, those who have understood the gospel, are those who have received Jesus as their Lord, and they have these roots in Jesus Christ. They have this hope in Jesus Christ. And so, friends, th those of you that might not even be Christians and you're here with us today, one thing I want you to know is this, is, is that Christians suffer just as much as anybody else. The difference is that, is that we have a hope beyond the suffering. We have a hope in this deep root system in Jesus Christ that where we can draw from nutrition that we can draw from that gets us through the suffering as we keep our eyes on the prize and on the reality that one day we will forever be freed from suffering and live 
forever with God through the work of Jesus Christ. Temporal trials and temptations will come, but Jesus has conquered the world. That word overcome that Jesus says just simply means conquered. You will have problems, but I have conquered the world. You will have trials and tribulations in your marriages, but I have conquered, Jesus says. Your spouse may leave you, but don't leave Jesus. As a, as a Christian single, some of you who are Christian singles, you have some unique challenges as a single. And there will be unique trials and tribulations that come into your life as a single. But behold, Jesus has conquered. As a, even as a Christian, you may lose your job. It's possible that a Christian could be fired, go bankrupt, lose an apartment, lose a house. But behold, I have conquered the world. I explained it to my daughter in this way. She was scared one night. She was afraid that someone would come and kidnap her. Now what do you say as a father when your daughter's afraid that somebody's going to come and kidnap them? Do you say that will never happen? What do you say? I didn't know what to say. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I did say. I said, well, I said, it's unlikely. Um, but even if the worst thing were to happen and you were to be kidnapped, you can still trust Jesus in that moment. Even in that moment, nothing will happen outside of God's control. And even if the worst thing could happen, death. Even if that happened, God will help you through your death, and he will bring you home to be with him. In some ways, that is the hope of the Christian. We recognize that challenges may come, but there is no challenge that will come that Jesus has not ultimately conquered. And so we have a root system that's deep. Third, I've got to be quick because we're out of time. Third, there are those who are distracted. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just say, I just said I have to be quick, but I, I have to tell this story, all right? Back up one second. Many of you know Eunice, a friend, uh, a, a member of the Garden Church. Uh, Eunice, a couple years ago, was diagnosed with MS, uh, which is a degenerative disease in her muscles. Eunice was told when she was diagnosed by some supposed Christians that she has MS because of a, la a, a lack of faith. And that if she just simply believes and speaks healing into existence, that she will be healed. She was torn up for a season about this. Is there something that's wrong with my faith? And I can say, today, I am so thankful for Eunice's testimony. Because she is one who still has MS today and has still re re remained a Christian. She has retained her faith in the midst of great suffering, in the midst of losing some ability in her legs. And one day, what Eunice knows is one day she will be raised to new life, and she will be given a new body, and she will have all the strength she can ever imagine. And she's clinging 
in this moment of suffering to her faith. That's the Christian response to suffering. But those who are rocky soil, they are scorched. Thirdly, quickly, there are those who are distracted. Distracted by wealth. This would be like the celebrity who's a Christian. They become a celebrity. They, they say, I'm a Christian. They're evangelical Christian. They've got a testimony, et cetera, et cetera. And give them five years, and they've got a hit single, and they've got glamour, and they've got a drug addiction, and they've got adultery in their marriage, and they've drifted away from the faith. What happened? Well, Jesus says that some soil is mixed with thorns. The thorns refer to the cares, the anxieties of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, which choke out the gospel, which choke out these young plants. These are people who may be in the church for years and years, and eventually the anxieties of the world have choked them out, and they leave. Now, in contrast to all of this, we see verse 23. In contrast to all of this, we see the good soil. The one who hears the word and understands it, he bears fruit and he yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the person who is changed. This is the good soil, the deep soil, the rich soil. These are the people who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. They understand that He's Lord. They understand that God will never require anything of them that is ultimately for their harm. God is only for their good, and they delightfully submit themselves to Jesus Christ as King. They see Jesus as the great prize. They see Jesus as the supreme treasure. In the same way that the Word of God speaks over the valley of dry bones, the Word of God speaks over these people, and life is created in their dry and dead souls. Friends, listen, there are three kinds of people who come and they hear the Word. They experience it. They taste and see that the Lord is good. Yet they never came on terms of really committing themselves to Jesus as Lord. They've clung to their health as Lord. They've clung to their riches as Lord. They've clung to worldly success as Lord. They've clung to popularity as Lord. They've never come to Jesus as Lord. And my question for you is this, have you come to Jesus as Lord? And if you have, if you are receiving Jesus as Lord, then that means that you are understanding and that means that there is change that is coming into your life. As I close, let me summarize it for you. Number one, you must understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. Secondly, we have a problem. And the problem is this. It's the trials of the world. It's the tribulations that we face. It's the anxieties about money. It's the anxieties about your work. These things all seek to distract us. It's the problem of our hard hearts, and, and we see our hearts, and we see some really hard corners of, the, of that, that room. But the answer is in Jesus himself. Jesus is the great farmer who not only scatters seed, but Jesus cleans out the soil. 
Jesus cleans out the rocks. He cleans out the thorns. Jesus is able to take that hard pathway and turn it into beautiful, soft, clean soil. Pray to Him. Ask Him, God, clean my heart, clean my soil. Ready me to receive the Word. Allow me to receive Your Word as it is taught and as it is read. Let me see Jesus Christ as Lord. And Jesus says this, Oh, how blessed. Oh, how happy are the ears of those who hear and understand. Oh, how happy are the eyes of those who see Jesus Christ and see Him as glorious. What you're hearing and what you're seeing are things that the prophets never even were able to see. Oh, how blessed you are. Father, we ask that you change us this morning. Change our soil. God, as as seed has been sown this morning, we pray that it would take root in the hearts of your people and that there would be fruit, that there would be change. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.